Well, this evening, um, of course, I'm going to read the, the Christmas story, but I was thinking of it in the context of a song that perhaps we know very well. It's O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and it's number 422. I'm not going to sing, so please, <laughs> to those of you who know me, you know I can't sing, so. And uh, you would think of that as a, um, well, anyhow, you just don't want me to sing. But uh, tonight, as we look at the Christmas story, it's more than just a story. It's, it's our life. It's the, it's the message of God coming to be with us. And there are, there are many things that we have in our life that we take for granted. And some of it is, even you go back to our ancestors and to our, to our, to our roots, and how far back do we, we go? And we find where Christianity has influenced influenced our lives and influenced how we govern ourselves, how we set up our laws, how we set up our political systems. And we have certainly fallen away from the intent of what God has put in front of us. And sometimes it's hard for us to distinguish what is really what God wants us to do and what is our political system, what, is, what are the things that have just been whitewashed and changed. So as we come to this time of Christmas and come to this idea of what Jesus Christ has come to be in our life and what the scripture's intent was, we find that there's always this challenge of wanting to grow and wanting to become. It's the problem arises in our faith whenever we think we've arrived, whenever we think we have it all figured out. When a religious system has it all, everything in place, and they're the only ones that are going to make it to heaven, and God is the one who has divinely favored them, and everybody else is excluded. And that really is very far from the truth. The truth is that Jesus doesn't turn away anyone who comes to him. Jesus doesn't turn away anyone who comes to him and believes in him and confesses their sin. The purpose of salvation The purpose of forgiveness is bringing us back to a right relationship with God. If you go back to uh, creation, in which God created man, and you read in the book of Genesis, we read how that God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the night. And that was the intent that God had in creation, was that we would walk with God as friend with friend, that we would walk with him. And he would be our friend, and he would be someone that we could share our life with. And, you know, coming at the end of the day and just share the day's experiences and walk with God. And he would be there to, you know, talk things over, decisions that have to be made and things like that. But mankind fell. And in the fall, in the disobedience, we lost our life, our spiritual life. We broke our relationship with God. We allowed death to come into our life. And there, so there was separation from God, spiritual death and, and physical death. Well, when Jesus Christ came, and, you know, if you go through the sacrificial system of the Old Testament and, and of the Jewish uh, traditions, we find where there was a sacrificial system in which a lamb was sacrificed so that that blood of that lamb could be applied to the altar and for the covering for the sins of the nation of Israel. And then we come to the New Testament and the arrival of Jesus Christ. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There is this understanding then when Christ comes that he wasn't just, as I said earlier, he isn't, one, he isn't just someone who shows up on the scene. He is someone who is prophesied about thousands of years 
Over thousands of years, there are bits of information that tell us that he's going to be born in the city of David. He's going to be born in Bethlehem. He's going to be of the house and lineage of David. And to let you know something really inconceivable, a virgin will conceive and have a child. And so there's all of these things going on and where he would be born, the time frame he would be born, all those things would be there. And Jesus arrives, Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. And we have what happens here um, in the conception of Jesus. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to the Galilean village of Nazareth to a virgin engaged to be married to a man descended from David. His name was Joseph, and the virgin's name Mary. Upon entering, Gabriel greeted her. Good morning, you're beautiful with God's beauty. Beautiful inside and out, God be with you. She was thoroughly shaken, wondering what was behind a greeting like that. But the angel assured her, Mary, you have nothing to fear. God has a surprise for you. You will become pregnant and give birth to a son and call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Highest. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will rule Jacob's house forever, no end ever to his kingdom. Mary said to the angel, but how? I've never slept with a man. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest hover over you. Therefore, the child you bring to birth will be called Holy, Son of God. And did you know that your cousin Elizabeth conceived a son in her old age, as old as she is? And everyone called her barren, and, and here she is, six months pregnant. Nothing you see is impossible with God. And Mary said, yes, I see it all now. I am the Lord's maid, ready to serve. Let it be with me, just as you say. And the angel left. Then in chapter 2, verses one, beginning at verse 1, About that time, Caesar Augustus ordered a census to be taken throughout the empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone had to travel to his own ancestral hometown to be accounted for. So Joseph went from Galilee, the town of Nazareth, up to Bethlehem in Judea, David's town, for the census. As a descendant of David, he had to go there. He went with Mary, his fiancée, who was pregnant. You see, Mary and Joseph were in the wrong place. And here is a Roman... Um, leader, king, who makes a decree to collect taxes that rearranges and puts Mary and Joseph in the exact place where they needed to be for the birth of Christ to come according to the prophecy. While they were there, there came a time for her to give birth, and she gave birth to a son, her firstborn. She wrapped him in a blanket and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the hostel. There were shepherds camping in the neighborhood, they had set night watches over their sheep, and suddenly God's angels stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them. They were terrified, and the angel said, Don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town, a Savior who is Messiah and Master. This is what you're to look for, a baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. At once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. Glory to God in the high, heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. As the angel choir withdrew to heaven, the shepherds talked it over. 
Let's go over to Bethlehem as fast as we can see it can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing. They told everyone they met what the angel said to him about this child. All who heard the shepherds were impressed. Mary kept all these things to herself, holding them dear and deep within herself. The shepherds returned and let loose, glorifying and praising God for everything they had heard and seen. It turned out exactly the way they had been told. And we, as we look at the scriptures and we look at the songs and you know, we sing the songs about um, Christmas and the birth of Christ, many of them are tunes. <laughs> many of them are ways to express what went on and, and what happened in the scriptures. And whenever you think back to, well, this, this song uh, uh, 422 in your, in your hymnals, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, we find that it was written, I wrote it down here somewhere, uh, in the ninth century. And in the ninth century, there was, there was, no, there were not very many people who were able to read. So what happened in the songs and what happened in the, the artwork was that people couldn't read, but they would be able to sing songs. And, you know, and the ancient, in the, you know, the old cathedrals, they have all these stained glass windows and all of the, the artwork in it depicting different segments. And what was going on is that people were not able to read, but they were able to be told about the stories that went along with each of the pictures in the, in, around the sanctuary. And people were able then to relate to the stories that they had seen by looking at the pictures. And so as we read over and go through these hymns and look at them, we see how that the writers were actually teaching the people uh, doctrine and spiritual truths that were written in the scriptures. So in this, this psalm, or this uh, song here on O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, it was um, um, the medieval church was that they would, each night they would sing this song for seven days prior to, the, prior to Christmas. And it was called the Great... Um, Antiphons, A-N-T-I-P-H-O-N-S, great antiphons. And they were anthems sung in short verses. And what happened was they would have two choirs. They would have one choir on one side of the church and one choir on the other side of the sanctuary and the church. And each of them would have stanzas that they would sing and the other one would have it in response. So they would have these, these anthems that would speak of the wisdom of God or the, 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 uh, the leadership of God. And, and some of them we have in verse 1, Emmanuel, uh, verse 1, O come, O come, Emmanuel. So you would have the, the song over here uh, singing out, O come, O come, Emmanuel, meaning Lord Jesus, come. And this was in, in uh, response to the, the scriptures with Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. O Emmanuel, Emmanuel, come be with us. And then you had the response uh, from Exodus chapter 19, which would say, um, Lord of might, Lord of all. And then the people from that side would sing it back. And so you had these, these choirs singing, as it were, uh, responding to each other, singing scriptures back and forth. And that's what this, script, that's what this song was originally written for. So as we read over, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile, speaks about Israel and how that they were, they were you know, the, the holy place, the, the holy sea, the, the holy nation through which Jesus came. 
And um, they are now in exile. They're out of, out of Israel and, and looking for a homeland. And he, they're actually singing and having a prayer. And then, O come, O rod of Jesse, thine own from Satan tyrannies. Free us from Satan's tyranny. So here's a song in response about how that evil has come into our world and free us from this tyranny. And so as you, you see this going on, you can perhaps picture or even imagine how that these songs would be sung, especially even this one back in the, you know, in the, the ninth century in these old churches and these old cathedrals and, and how that the choirs would be singing and people singing as it were almost in competition with each other about the glories of God and how that they wanted God's glory to come and come and be with them. And then, of course, um, the, the uh, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 it says, see your king comes to you. And Revelation twenty two twenty, amen, come Lord Jesus. And that is the foundation for the um, chorus that was added sometime later. And the chorus says, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to see us, O Israel. So he rejoice. I'm not going to try and sing it, but if I could... Brandy, get up here. No. <laughs> Brandy, get up here and sing this for me. <laughs> so it's this come and come and rejoice in what God has done. And as we sing this, we find that, um, again, what does it do? It, it's a way of singing and praying. It's a way of remembering the scripture. You can't, they, didn't, they couldn't read it. So it was a way of them putting, allowing the scripture to be part of their life. And um, a ver- ver- he says, come, come, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means God with us. So come, come, Emmanuel. The virgin will conceive, give birth to God. God becomes man and dwells among us. And the, the season of Advent, you know, that we're in, uh, did everybody get your shopping done? It's too late. Just the frivolous things, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's an inside joke. Uh, my wife told me, she says, don't buy me any frivolous ju- uh, gifts. She, you know, it, it's like, okay, dear, which one of them was frivolous, you know? <laughs> did you ever give, buy something, you know, and I was just trying to sh- figure out what gift did I give her that was frivolous? I don't know, you know? So I was thinking maybe I should take them all back, you know, and yeah, things like that. It's a, so anybody get frivolous gifts? I don't know. <laughs> but if you haven't bought your gifts, too late. <laughs> I just thought I'd tell you that. Um, I, 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 if you were up to, perhaps, I, I have uh, gone shopping on uh, Christmas Eve at times, and, and it seems like there's about 90% of the mall is filled with men running around trying to find last-minute gifts. I don't know. Uh, that's any, any of you guys do that? Well, okay. I won't ask. Uh, I'll ask it next week, all right? You can tell me. I got that on you know, Christmas Eve. So, but uh, Advent is a time we are, I, I think a few weeks ago I spoke about being fractured, <laughs> that there's so many things pulling in our, in our life from the, the holidays and the, the gifts and the trees and the decoration and family things and church things and business things and neighborhoods and all this. We have so many different parties and people to meet and cards to send. It seems like there's just such a pulling. But the real focus is 
Jesus Christ, and that we can pause in these moments and sing these songs. So the ancient hymn writer refers to Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us. He implores Jesus to come and end the Christian's separation from God. We are united with Christ in that he has forgiven us of our sins. But the separation that we have, that someday all of this is going to disappear and we have a home in heaven, and that it's that place that the hymn writer is saying, God, come and end that separation. Jesus is also referred to as the day spring or the rising of the sun and is asked to remove the gloom of spiritual night and the shadows of death. So as we read the song and we sing through this song, there are so many little things in the, the verses and so many things in these little sayings that kind of jump out, of, out at us. And as we sing them, they, they touch our hearts. Another for the name of Jesus is the rod of Jesse, which is a term in the King James Version and the Bible signifies Christ, Christ's fight to free his people from Satan's tyranny. And of course, this hymn then is one of the oldest found in any of the Christian hymnals. It is a treasure and illustrates our great debt to our spiritual ancestors. Everything that we have is built upon the shoulders of those who have gone before us. (laughs) Everything that we have is built upon the shoulders of the people who have gone before us. Whether it's in our faith or in our families or in our work or wherever we're at, we are all building on the foundation that someone else has laid. And our, our goal in our service to Christ is that we would lay a firm foundation for our life and for our families and for our, those who would follow us so that our faith is a firm foundation. It's not based upon our own selfishness, but based upon our, our giftings that God has gifted us with to make a difference in our life and the lives of those around us. And the last it says, And he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead. And he will announce the resurrection of the dead and of the life and the world to come. And so this life is here for us. And so the ongoing efforts, and I think in our our society to to take Christ out of Christmas, the, you know, I like it says, commercialize, secularize, and sanitize. (laughs) Commercialize, secularize, and sanitize Christmas is that they want to remove Christ from Christmas, to remove Jesus Christ and all that he is from Christmas. And that's why if you remove Christ from Christmas, you just have an Xmas, and it has lost its whole intent. The intent is God has come to be with us. The prophet Isaiah wrote, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. The people who have walked in darkness have seen a great light. The light of the world continues to shine for all who choose to believe. So we take up our faith, we take up our cross, and we follow Christ. And the light of Christ continues to shine on all who continue to believe. Amen? We'd like to, um, Glenda, if you'd come back. 
we have um, our candlelight service. And I would like for us to focus on some of the things that we've just said here about what Jesus Christ means to us and that Christmas is, it's about family. Christmas is about giving and receiving gifts. Christmas is about all the things that we've made it in ourselves and in our families and our traditions. But the founding principle of our, Christ, of our Christmas is Jesus Christ and his birth. And that birth changed the world. That birth changed the world. It changed how we perceive ourselves. I, 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 I go back to Isaiah. that He says that while you were yet in your mother's womb, I knew you and I formed you. God knew us while we were in our mother's womb. He has a plan and he has a purpose for us. And our relationship with Jesus Christ is that which unleashes those talents and those gifts and those abilities to help us to become that person that God intended us to be. And we find in Christ that missing link, that missing part of who we are. And Christ comes and fills it. And he walks with us as he would have walked with Adam and Eve in the garden. He walks with us through each day. And he's never so far away as to be just near us. Those who have seen the light, we have seen a great light. And the light symbolizes that which is we were in darkness, but we have come to the light. Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Cliff, would you shut the lights off in the back? Should we all stand? Does everyone have a candle? If you don't, uh, we have some in the back. And one thing I would suggest that whenever your candle is lit, whenever your candle is lit, those who are lighting their candle would approach, the lit one will stay straight, and the one is getting lit will come to the side. That way you don't drip wax all over you and the pew and all those other things. So once it's lit, you keep it straight, and then the other person, you're going to pass it on. All the darkness in the world cannot extinguish the light of one candle. That is why the hope of Christ and the hope of God has grown from the birth of Christ through his life, his death, his resurrection. It has changed the world because it lights up our life and makes a difference. Cliff, would you turn them off? Yes. You have, oh, Glenn, do you want to hit that behind you? And we're going to sing Silent Night. What's that? Can you see? No? You can leave the light of the piano on. We'll, we'll let you have that. We'll, we, can, we can, there we go, there. Yeah. Hey, she's in the dark. We can't play, we can't sing, you know. But um, we're going to sing Silent Night, and as we sing it, I'm going to start and we just pass the light around and recognize that it is the light of Jesus Christ that makes a difference in our lives.
says that Jesus Christ that he is the Prince of Peace and in this world in our lives where do we need peace peace from ourselves peace from our past peace from our failures we ask for forgiveness peace for our world our government, our neighbors, our friends, our families, someone who is ill, we pray that God's peace be upon them. And you see, Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, he does not come to bring conflict, he comes to bring peace. Our Father, we thank you for this night in which the light of Jesus Christ shines in our hearts through your word and your spirit. We ask, O oh God, that you touch us in a very real way. We've sung songs and we've listened to a speaker, but Lord, it is your presence that makes the difference. It is your love, O oh God, that touches us from the inside out. It is your peace, O oh God, that you give to us, not as the world gives, but God is a peace that comes to us from a right relationship with you and an eternal life that begins in us even now. Bless, O oh Lord, I pray, each one that is here. I pray your blessing upon the families and friends. I pray, God, that you go with us and that this Christmas season be a very special time in which we celebrate our relationships with others, but most of all, we celebrate our relationship with you. We pray this through the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Amen.